Bolt your windows. Lock your doors. Check your closets. Look under your bed. And then, prepare yourself. For it's another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. Whoa! Well, good evening, Roger, my my brand new Midwest uh, buddy. How are you? Welcome. Welcome back home. You can try to escape the Midwest, but my God, you can never get away. It's in your blood. <laughs> you can never get away. That is for sure. It's been an interesting uh, last few weeks trying to readjust to slower paced Iowa life after being in Houston for 12 years, but I am uh, getting there. I started, I actually started my job. I've gotten to see my new school, meet my my new uh, colleagues. So it's been pretty interesting. And the weather, Roger, the weather here hasn't been too hot. So guess what I really haven't thought about doing? Ugh, taking a cool dip in the sea. Because there's no sea around you. Aren't you just landlocked everywhere you are? There's the Mississippi, right? Like two blocks from me. <laughs> Is the Mississippi something you can like swim in? Is that is it is it available? Is there like a beach by you? Uh, there is actually, but I would not step foot okay. in it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Lake yeah, Erie, yeah, I yeah, get yeah. it. Where I'm I was, page. but I was thinking more along the lines of a pool. Oh yes. Oh, how did that go over my head? It didn't go over my head. I I completely was aware of the joke, but yes, the pool. a pool. <laughs> The, the the pool. It's the, the, the it's only the pool. pool. It's the only pool. And but what a pool it is! <laughs> I mean, like this is a pool. If we're jumping in, and we're jumping in, we're jumping into the pool. We're jumping right in, obviously, literally and figuratively, into the pool, which is the title of the film that you, Troy, picked for our episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. This yes, week. and it seems to be a popular pick based on our social media response, which I was surprised. I mean, I know I told you last week that I knew a lot of people knew of this film, um, but I didn't. I, I was surprised at the amount of people that responded to our uh, Facebook and Instagram post about this film. Uh, so I knew, oh, yeah. you know, I kind of knew it had a little bit of a fan base. But, you know, after last week's deep film uh don't look now which required several viewings to to really take in and really analyze i I wanted something that was a little bit more just popcorny oh and popcorny it is that we that was kind of (laughs) you could just sit back and enjoy you really didn't have to think about so i did choose 2001's the pool which is a post scream slasher flick and it boy does it show that it was influenced by scream oh golly well i mean i've been chomping on the bit to bust this one out but there's nothing deep about the pool no not even (laughs) not even the pool itself because they're in the pool and it comes up to their waist no matter where they're at in the, the whole pool so the pool itself isn't deep but yeah the film is not that deep but it has a lot of redeeming qualities 
and we'll get to them. I, I think it does. Now, was I, I, I have to admit, when I first saw this, when I first saw this probably back in 2001 when it came out, I was like, oh my God, that's a kick-ass movie. What a kick-ass movie. This time around, I wasn't as gung-ho about it. Um, so I'm wondering, I'm really curious about the people who kind of have a fond memory of this film and haven't seen it for a long time. I'm wondering if they went back and revisited it, uh, what their impressions would Mm -hmm. be. I still had a great time with it, but I'm going to say it wasn't Mm -hmm. as great as I remember thinking it was, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I, um, I'm a first time. You're a pool virgin. First, I'm a first time swimmer. Yeah. I I'm I I'm diving into the deep end, uh, completely blind. Had no idea what to expect, and I'll say I you know I enjoyed it. Um, do I think it's the best thing I've ever seen? Absolutely not. Does it need to be? No. It's called the the fucking pool. Like I mean, and it serves up really what it's offering in its title. But yeah, I mean the similarities between it and as you said, Scream are very noticeable. Uh, it was obviously cashing in on. The moment, you know, and at, and a little late into the moment at that, but it is extremely entertaining. It falls hard into some of the very familiar tropes that we've seen time and time again, but you know what? It does them pretty well. This ain't, uh, we're not reinventing the wheel here, people. And this film was not trying to reinvent the wheel. I think what this film was really trying to give us was a no holds bar slasher film that took place in a very creative location. And I've said this before, I'm all about slasher films that take place in really fun locations. Oh yes. Uh, I love, I love, you know, like hide and go shriek in the furniture store, uh, intruder grocery store, uh, gutter balls, a bowling alley, amusement park, uh, amusement in an amusement park. park. <laughs> yeah. I love all of that. So I, I, having a film that was, that's set inside of a beautiful yeah. indoor water park f- facility because even though the film's called the pool this thing is more like a indoor water park i mean it has water slides it has all kinds of stuff it strikes me as like a pool for very rich people yes. in a rich area like whereas like i grew up in the suburbs and we had like a pool that had like two water slides and was outside and open four months out of the year this is like a pool for very wealthy people access 24 7 well not 24 7 but they make sure they get in there but you know at all times and it's indoors and it's heated and it's beautiful and it has stunning (laughs) decor and everything fountains i i grew up and i'm back in davenport iowa so if this film took place in davenport iowa it would be called wacky waters because that was our uh, that was our that was our pool park. Uh, Wacky so maybe waters. maybe folks, that's my next film. Wacky Waters. Whoa! <laughs> Sounds like a cheap porn. Wacky Waters. <laughs> this film, this film, two thousand two. It's from Germany, and one of the things you'll notice right away about this film is the cast is very uh, diverse in terms of language, comfort countries that they each represent. Not in skin tone. They're certainly not diverse. They're not diverse in skin, in skin tone, skin though, tone but they are. Div- <laughs> this is a very, it pale, is a very cast. pale cast. But they, it is diverse in terms of languages spoken uh, and the European countries that are represented. And let's just get it right out of the way here. I mean, this film has two pretty big stars in it. 
uh, people that went on to two actors that really went on to, to make a name for themselves. The, uh, the first one obviously is James McAvoy. Yes. We love James uh, McAvoy. who is, this is one of his first films and he is definitely, uh, giving us that heavy Irish accent, which is sexy as fuck. Oh my God. And he is definitely one of the standout actors in this film. Nobody in this is truly horrible. Um, I mean, the, there are a few actors who I think are maybe a little stronger than others, but he would definitely be one of like the top tier performers in this who actually has to show at times some emotion uh, due to a, his character going through a breakup as you'll yeah, learn. And all. then, uh, yeah. And then what happens to him, I was kind of like, oh, that's a, that's a cop out. Uh, yeah. And the other one is Isla Fisher, who is probably uh. best known for Wedding Crashers. She was also in that goddamn movie, uh, Confessions of a Shopaholic, yeah. which wanted to be a big breakout, but it was not. I feel like Isla Fisher in general wants to be a big breakout, but is not. I'm not her well, biggest fan. She needs to do something about that voice. At least in this film, I almost shut the volume off. I did not realize that she had such a whiny, nasally voice. I'm sorry, Isla, but uh, yeah, I was like, oh God, shut her up. And she she is so unlikable in this film. I, I really wanted to reach through the screen and just slap her. She, she looks like, if, I mean, she's often compared to Amy Adams, but in this film, she looks as though Amy Adams had been on like a bender for three weeks. Like she looks weathered in this movie. I don't know if Isla Fisher was maybe going through a rough time um, when she was trying to break out at the time she was filming this, but definitely not in her prime. And uh, her acting's fine, but her character is awful. And she's just such a bitch. Just one more character to, the add, of, to add to the list of characters that I don't like that were played by Isla Fisher, which well, are many. I like her. I mean, I, I think she's hilarious in Wedding, uh, Wedding Crashers. Um, is that the film I'm thinking of? She's in Wedding Crashers. She is, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's hilarious in that. I love her in that. It's not. I don't have a problem with her personally. I have a problem with this character, and I don't. And again, I don't remember her voice being so annoying. I don't know if it was for this film, but I just it was unbearable. Thank God she doesn't last long, because if she would have made it to the pool, I would have packed up my swim trunks and left. Yes, <laughs> which really is not a lot to pack up. So you'd be out <laughs> of a little speedo. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> T bar. But, but the film is a German film, German production, directed by a German Boris Van Sykowski, I believe is the name. You don't get more Any, German. Well, anybody's than that. Named, anybody that's named <laughs> Boris. I mean, that is like the quintessential German. Yeah. It's I mean, the direction's fine. The film yeah. looks great. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like it had a pretty hefty budget behind it. But let's get to it because there's really not much else to talk about this week, is there? Except I'm going to say it now before we wait because I feel like people tune us out at the end and just shut the after they know we're done talking about the movie, shut shut us off. But folks, I know there's lots of you listening. I look at our statistics and I have to say I am very, very happy that our listenership grows each week. And I, yes, no, I'm serious. yes. Like, I can't believe it. I can't believe people actually tune in to listen to to us chat about films because who are, who are we? I mean, yeah. uh, but it's cool to see. We're two sassy gays. That's who we are. It's cool to see like each episode we release, we get more listeners. Mm-hmm. The episode gets listened to faster. So I just want to say. You guys listening, do us a huge favor and give us that five-star rating and write a little review on Apple Podcasts for us, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. 
uh, or whatever platform you're listening to, because it really does help us. It really helps the, 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 the show kind of show up in searches for horror movie podcasts, etc. So do that for us and we'll love you. Yeah. And I want to say right now, Troy, if you're, if we're throwing the hook into the water now, stick around after the podcast, we are going to be announcing something else. Uh, in the terms of support and how much we want to bring fresh material to you, our listeners. How much how much you know we yeah. are serious about this. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Uh, because again, we know, we, we both know you have, there are a lot of podcasts out there. There are a lot of podcasts with gay, two gay male hosts doing what we're doing. And we know that you have a lot of options. So we are very pleased that you tune into us. And we want to continue doing this. We have a blast doing it. We really do. It literally is just Troy and I sitting here, each a margarita in hand, cackling over films well, we love. This this is <laughs> can you hear it? This is this is a margarita. It's actually tequila. Just straight tequila. <laughs> Troy. It is straight. No, uh, after the day I had, and I told yeah. you about the day. This is much deserved. Oh so my if God. my if my if my words start to get slurred Stick by the end around. Of this episode, I'm sorry. <laughs> But there are literally two shots of tequila in this motherfucker. And if I had the bottle by me right now, but it's in the kitchen, there'd oh, be more. Yes. So we better start yeah, talking about all the about more reasons. Which for people actually, to stick I would love. To, I, hey, I would love to be at this pool right now because I had a kick-ass bottle oh, with alcohol. That they broke the into. Uh, <laughs> but one thing I do want to also say for our listeners regarding the pool, it uh, you know, for me again being a first-time viewer, it kind of was upsetting. That this title really, I can't find it anywhere other if I other than purchasing it, um, which I you know I probably will be doing uh, at this point because I I would like to own this movie. It's very entertaining, but God, give me a give me like a Blu-ray release. It's hard to find. It really, it's not available on any streaming platforms. Um, I own the DVD, uh, so that's kind of how we saw it, and uh, yeah, so. The Pool, 2001. So this comes about, what, five years after Scream, okay? And right away, the opening of this film is definitely mirroring <laughs> the opening of the original Scream. I mean, it's it's pretty much the paint by numbers. The same you have, scene. <laughs> you have the uh, young woman home named Catherine. She's handling who, food. She's handling food. She's talking on the phone to her mother talking about how she has a new boy coming over and that she had to break up with her old boyfriend because she found him creepy. And it happens that it's dark out. There's a, there's a thunderstorm. We get that whole kind of cliche of the dark stormy night with, you know, the poor young girl alone in this huge house by herself and something happens. And what happens is someone rings the doorbell and she thinks it's her boyfriend Oliver, right? And she goes to answer the door and nobody's there. And it's pouring rain out and this poor Catherine is like, "Oliver, Oliver, where are you, Oliver?" And she sees his car. So she thinks he's playing a joke on her. So she proceeds to go out in the pouring rain and walk to his car and she sees that he is dead in the front seat. His throat is slit wide open and she goes and runs in the house. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> the bitch runs upstairs, which is smart. She breaks into the gun cabinet and proceeds to get a shotgun along with some Rambo style ammunition that she slugs over her shoulder like she's goddamn Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, this bitch isn't fucking around. Um, yeah, right, right from the beginning, a few notes. Um, this this girl ain't no Drew Barrymore. No, no she though she's trying, and I'll say that you know I can tell that she wants to be giving a good performance. She has an accent. Maybe there is a language barrier. I don't. Well, she know. doesn't have that much but, dialogue. <laughs> No, she's not the strongest act, uh, actor in the film, but she, you know, she likes having that gun on her. Uh, she's having herself a good time with that sequence. You can tell she's really getting into the moment. She's trying. Um, but God, yeah, this is a paint by, by numbers. That's a good way to put it. The whole opening chunk with the foam play and everything very much screams scream. Uh, but it's, it's definitely a bit lackluster in comparison. Like, for example, the whole thing with the boyfriend being discovered, the discovery of the body is very, like, whop, whop. Like, it just, it's kind of okay. There's um, zero build-up. Yeah, there's no build-up. And, well, and it's it's very rushed. Yes. There's zero build-up. It's, yeah. it's almost like, to me, it feels like they sort of tacked the scene on at the end of filming. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh, shit, we probably need a better opening than just a bunch of college kids taking a test. Well, they do, let's do reference let's Catherine. Do they do, they do, but who knows? She could have been, I mean, yeah, she's not really referenced that much. She's only referenced at the end. One uh, line. Film. Yeah, one yeah. line. So and it really doesn't say that she was supposed to be there or not. Right. So it just to me, it just feels, feels like it was something that was sort of tacked on after filming. Yeah. That they were like, oh shit, we better have a cool opening because, hey, it's a post-scream slasher. So let's tack this on. We'll make it quick. We're not going to spend a lot of time filming it. Let's film it in one night and see what we can do. It really does feel that way to me. And there is this like score that sounds like it is like stock footage score. It's so like dramatic and just full orchestra. And it doesn't really fit a 2000 slasher flick. Though I will say the opening track, like the credits music, where it starts with this really heavy beat, um, I actually found the opening track to be like really good for setting the tone of the film and the mood. But yes, I do hear that as you build into the actual film itself, the score is is um, a bit big. But I think that's what they're going for. The location's a bit big too, you know. The location's big. The score just to me sounds a bunch of, like a bunch of stock footage thrown together i'm sorry whoever scored the film <laughs> but go fuck yourselves but yeah but it doesn't sound um so she actually she's running around the house with this gun and this this like what is it a amp it's a big string of ammo it's like a hunter it's like a hunting gun she like obviously took it from like her father's study or, or something i don't know uh and so she just throws it over her shoulder and she goes down there she's ready to fight and she goes down to the door and she sees in the reflection what appears to be a skull. Uh, it's obviously a mask. And so, and she's startled. And so she fires twice, bla- you know, goes through her bullets. Well, so yeah, for this bitch to grab the gun so quick, I thought, okay, she knows what she's doing, but she couldn't even hit this thing that was six feet in front of her. Uh, she fired twice and totally missed. So, it's the killer, and we get to see his costume, and it is basically a white skull mask, uh, and he's dressed in like skin tight black jeans and like a skin tight like leather black shirt, and just this white uh, skull mask. Again, very uh, reminiscent of Scream, the white ghost face mask. Yeah. So there are a lot of kind of effective shots of like the killer 
in the background when it's dark and you can just see the white mask, the white skull mask, which is kind of cool. Uh, but this, yeah. after she tries to shoot him, she's pr- she's pretty much dispatched pretty quickly. Again, that's what I'm talking about. It feels like so rushed. There's no suspense. Like she tries to shoot him. She misses. He breaks through the glass. She runs about four feet to try to get out the glass. He s- slashes her, throws her through the uh, glass door, pulls her back in, stabs her and throws her in the pool. And that's the end of the opening scene. Yeah, there ain't nothing special to it. I mean, is it done well? It's execute. Uh, yes, it's executed uh, well for what it is. But I do agree with you that this could have been. I guess for an opening kill, I always want like kind of to be blown away. That's what you hope for. That's the that's the the like tier that Scream set was that amazing opening sequence. And I mean, how many movies have really managed to capture that same shock? Uh, and overall just um, surprise factor. Not many. And so this one definitely does feel rushed, especially because, yeah, they seem to make this character resourceful, but then they just kind of, like, throw it to the wind and they waste it. Even down to, like, her running around through the house and trying to open the doors, like, this is your home, is it not? So apparently, I guess I'm to assume that whoever the killer is, he's bolted all of your doors, like, to the, the from the outside, maybe? I don't know. Why can't you get out of your house? This is your home. Like, come on. Well, and again, she's a college student, right? She She's friends with, apparently, with all these other people that are, are become our main focus for the film, and they're all in college. So, she, and, but she's at this big fucking mansion. Yeah. So I'm like, but I will say within that mansion, there is a pool fitting for the opening sequence. I was just wondering how she fit into the whole college scene when she apparently, you know, is, is living in this huge mansion out, out in the middle of nowhere, but yet she goes to college with all these kids. So apparently she's not living in the dorms, right? So after this opening scene, we get basically a introduced to some of our uh, main characters through a classroom scene. It's finals. Oh, after she's killed, after uh, Catherine's killed, there is a there is a little snippet with the phone ringing and the answering machine picking up picking up, and we hear s- the voice of someone named Sarah leaving her a message talking about the party that's going to be tomorrow, and the killer is there listening to the answering machine. And, and okay, so there you go. Then it cuts to a scene with a bunch of kids in a classroom. It's a biology classroom, right? And they're taking a final. We are also treated to a lots of beautiful scenery of Czechoslovakia, which is where this film was filmed. Very beautiful cinematography, very scenic. Um, Some lovely stock footage. This particular scene in the classroom. Mm, I don't know. It tried to be funny. I wasn't really feeling it. Yeah, they try to, like, in- inject, like, a sticky like, millennial humor uh, into it. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's like, okay, that's fine. Get forward. Basically, uh, move forward. We do l- learn, at least from that, that Sarah is a good student. And Isla Fisher is a bad student. And everybody else, I suppose, falls somewhere in between. But Isla Fisher is there looking dour and frumpy 
and unhappy, and she bombs her her uh, exam. And that's the one thing that you kind of need to take away from this because that does carry through the story. Yeah, she 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 knows. She says she knows the answer, but when he asks her to go write it on the board, she refuses to, or she says she can't. I don't know. In the meantime, Sarah, played by Kristen Miller. Uh, is up on the chalkboard writing out this equation and she gets it right. We are also introduced to probably the most dynamic character in the film, or at least the one that I feel like has the most personality, and that's Carmen. Mm-hmm. Carmen is in the classroom. She is this like sexy, uh, what is she, Russian? Uh, I mean, God, listen, let's, let's be clear though with this, there is an (laughs) onslaught and I mean an onslaught of accents. It is so difficult to understand exactly where everybody's from. I think Carmen is actually the one from Germany, I believe. Yeah, I think, cause I know one of them is from Argentina cause they say Argentinian. I think is it Diego and, uh, and then obviously Isla Fisher is Australian, um, and then um, James McAvoy is Irish. Irish, yeah. So, Kristen, I mean, they actually got Kristen Miller's the lone American. I think Gregor mm. is German. So that's why I thought uh, Carmen was Russian. I don't know. She said, I, I think her accent sounds Russian. But, anyways, yeah. regardless, Carmen is the most charismatic uh, character in the film, I think. Uh, right away, we're kind of, we kind of get a big glimpse into her personality and like she's just like this f- sexy flirty you know she knows she's hot because she's like telling the professor who we never see we only hear his voice she's like if god didn't want men to have sex why did he invent women and i'm like who says that to their professor and she's she's well and also who says you need a woman she's saying it very like sexy (laughs) and she calls she's like winking at him and she's some she's carmen is the token slut character um, they do, and you know, hey, first of all, more power to the slut characters. I have no problem with the slut character. Uh, they often are my favorite characters in these types of films. One thing I do appreciate, though, with Carmen is while they do make her the token slut, they do also give her um, a little more dimension, a little more layer mm-hmm. stir character as things progress. Does she make some mistakes along the way? Of course she does. She's the slut. That's her job. Does she kind of redeem herself? Yeah. You know what? She does. And I appreciate that. Yeah, so after the exam, they all go out to the parking lot where it proceeds to be a giant party with beer and alcohol flowing, even though they are still on the college campus. And we get the scene where like Carmen struts out of the she's strutting her shit out of the out of the uh building, just strutting her shit. And all of the characters kind of conglomerate at this in the parking lot and they're drinking beer and they're talking about what they're going to do. Supposedly there's a party, but after the party, there's going to be another party. That's kind of a secret party. But yeah, I was just thinking like, where are the like college, where are the, like the college security people? They're just letting all these college kids like drink alcohol right in the parking lot. And like, yeah, but didn't they all just basically graduate? Like a bunch I don't of them. They haven't graduated yet. Too. This no. is, they just took the final. But they're done. They're, they're like done. they're they're done. Yay! So I mean, like I don't. I don't. But know. we get a, we get about ten minutes of just bullshit that doesn't interest me. I agree, but I will say about this scene, like you need something to kind of establish who these characters are because there's there's a lot of people. There's so in this group. many characters. That's and, the problem. Yes. With this film. 
And a lot of the guys, every guy in this is brunette, and they, they all look, look the same. They, I was going to say, they all look the same. There were there were many times in this film where I thought, like, Frank was Gregor. I, I couldn't yep. tell him apart. Right. And, well, and also, they all get into bathing suits, and they're well, all shirtless. And they're all, it's all the same color bathing suits, mainly. It's, they're, they're all wearing, like, red baggy yeah. bathing suits i'm like could yeah. you at least put one of them in a speedo or something oh uh, for the love of god but they're european that's what they wear i don't understand yeah i don't either but the that's the that's one okay so i i still love this film don't get me wrong but there are too many characters and there are characters that are unnecessary that are there but then we never find out what happens to them. Are and you talking about um, the uh, Argentinian guy? And the other one, Chris? There's two characters that I must have missed it. I don't know what happened to them. Um, but regardless, there are way too many characters. And yeah. there are two characters we're going to talk about here in a little bit. They have the most epic death scene, but they just appear like... I didn't even know they were. Th- so the film yeah. suffers. I think one of the, one of the things the film suffers from, I think is having too many characters. And so none of them really get the development that they deserve because there's too many of them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if they would have cut the cast down uh, and really focused on like a real small core group of this group, it would have been a little bit more effective and a little bit more easy to follow. Because like you said, and it's really, it gets really confusing trying to tell the guys apart. I really don't know what, there's about three of the guy characters. I have no idea what their names are. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like I really was like, I'm going to try to soak up this information without going to IMDB and trying to learn who these people are, but you can't like, uh, uh, uh. They all, and the, again, the accents make it, I mean, they make it for a unique experience and it's kind of cool, but they also makes it even more difficult because like you're trying to follow who's who and who's from where and who's going, playing what part in the story. And a lot of them just really don't have any purpose. So they just fade into the background. But um, they do do a good job of at least establishing like the energy of a college of a campus like even Mm -hmm. in the one scene where you're talking about where it seems like it really kind of drags on and it does but like there's like blaring millennium music and people are drinking and there's people passing in front of the camera it doesn't even feel like really staged i actually really liked that aspect of the of the sequence and and how they kind of brought us into the world of where these characters are because they're definitely one thing i'm going to say is at least the men in this are douchebags and they're all entitled. They're all pricks. And of course they are. They go to this like really fine school. It looks to be like a pretty prestigious school. So it's like a big kind of dick size contest between all the males in this film. There's several occasions where they're all kind of just like puffing out their chests to one one another and bragging to one another. And they're not really likable, but they do at least make you want to see them die. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That's the other thing is the 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 film also suffers from what a lot of slashers after Scream kind of did, and and that is filling your film with unlikable characters. Uh, it's kind of like the Friday the Thirteenth remake. I always bring this, or the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, for example. One of the things that makes those films really difficult to watch is the fact that especially the night with the Friday, the 13th remake is all the characters are 
extremely unlikable. And so it really makes it hard to care about what happens to any of them. Yeah. And I think if you look at the slasher films from, you know, the, the, the seventies and eighties, the ones that, that are held in high regard, Halloween, black Christmas, Friday, the 13th, Friday, the 13th part two, um, you name it. One of the things that made them endearing is that you cared about the characters. You did not want to see them die. You, you formed a connection with them. Even Scream, for example, has likable characters. Oh, yeah. This film really doesn't. And so it makes it really difficult. So not only are you trying to care about these characters when they're unlikable, but then you're also trying to keep them apart because there's so many of them that look look alike and there's no character development. If that makes sense, so it's like yeah. sort of two two little strikes yeah. right there with the film. Uh, and now again, I understand we're watching a slasher film. We're not watching, you know, the Grapes of Wrath, Gone with the Wind. I totally get that. But even with a slasher film, I think that one of the things I want to see is characters that I like, that I care about. I don't want to like. I personally feel bad like rooting for someone to be killed. Um. Unless it's unless they absolutely deserve it. So in this film, I can't say that I really cared about any of these characters in terms of wanting. I don't one of them. And that was James McAvoy's character. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, but no, I completely agree. I, I, I know that the characters in this I did care about. They're few and far between. They do give the the characters that are getting the attention get significantly more than those that do not so at least like the character of sarah who you will learn is the female lead like they sure make it a point to explain her backstory and why she doesn't like water and why she's sensitive and emotional uh whereas a character like i don't know diego all i know is his name is diego that's all yeah with sarah can i give my obligatory snoring (laughs) good lord all right but we'll, we'll get there as well uh, I do like that you do get the kind of the interaction between uh, whiny ass. What's her name? Kim. It's, it's LaFisher. Yeah. Kim. Kim's whining her ass off, and they're like, "Mike, you better go get your girlfriend." And she's just being a total bitch. He's trying to. He's trying to be like, "Hey, you want to come to this party tonight?" She's like, "I don't want to do anything. I failed my exam. Why are you so happy?" Blah blah blah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. God, you're, you're not. Why would I ever want to come hang out with your friends when I fail my exam? <laughs> I'm Australian. <laughs> She's just bitching and bitching. And she doesn't have a single line in this film that is endearing or redeeming. It's bitching from bitching beginning from to beginning. end. Nonstop. And what I like is that he does not give into He does not like, buy, he does not give into it. He's like, okay, whatever, bitch, bye. Uh He's not trying to like beg her, or like, oh, honey, okay, I'll stand, I'll stay with you tonight. Then instead of going to the party, he's like, okay, bye, bitch, I don't, I'm going, whatever. And then you do get uh, the character of Frank, who we we're introduced to very briefly, who is wearing a shirt that says "fuck me," which I thought was, hey, Frank, that's pretty blatant. Come, okay. Come. <laughs> I mean, I like a forward man, and some people would be like, oh, that's trashy, and I'd be like. Oh, yeah, that's really trashy. And in the background, I'd be like, hey, Frank, find me in the locker room. <laughs> Even if he's not that pretty, he's kind of like, okay, but am he's I okay. Wrong? It doesn't matter. But am I wrong? Frank and Gregor, <laughs> the two actors that play Frank and Gregor, look identical. They could be yes. brothers. So it's yes. really hard to keep them apart. 
Well, also the characters that play Chris and um, wait. Oh my god, who the wait, fuck? No. Chris. Okay, <laughs> Chris is the one who is like kind of like a sexual like deviant. Chris like is the one that like is he not the one that tries to throw Sarah into a yes, pool at one that's point? Chris. Yeah, Chris is like basically like. If this was made in 2021, he would be getting canceled right now. He is crossing the line, and he does it multiple times. We do find out then that they're having this unofficial party, and Sarah, of course, is asking Gregor. Sarah and Gregor are dating. Gregor is like the rich, you know, the rich, handsome, entitled guy of the bunch who is able to have these parties at these elaborate places. And she's like, well, where are you having it? And he's like very ominously says, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. And I'm thinking, okay, red herring. Can we be a little bit less obvious? Like the most obvious red herring right off the bat. Everything about this guy screams like I'm going to be the killer, which in turn, you know, he probably is not going to be the killer because he's just it's so overt. It's so in your face. Uh, But God, he's pretty. I like him. I think he's very handsome, and I like that he's wearing all blue for, you know, whatever the reason. They mention it. He's in nothing but blue, um, and uh, he's a, he's a good-looking guy, and I like his accent. I'm weak for accents. Let's get this clear right now, listeners. Any of you guys have accents? Send us a voicemail. Say hello. I love hearing accents. I'd love for you to read a piece of a, a chapter of a book to me. Um, I well, find that very erotic. We get a array of accents in this film. We do an onslaught of accents. So after this scene goes on for about 10 minutes too long, we do get, we do cut to the three guys. I think it's Gregor, Frank, and Chris. I think. Maybe Diego. I don't know. Three of them go to see this other guy who is a mechanic named Martin. And I liked Martin. Martin's, Amer- Martin's American. I did too. Right? He seems to be American. Okay. Yes. But there's a Martin and there's oh, a Mike, <laughs> which makes for even yeah. more confusion. So Martin's a pretty nice guy. They they go to him because they know that he can has the tools and the knowledge to break into locations. So Gregor is like, hey, will you break in? You know, will you help us tonight? We're going to get in this location. He's like, well, why would I help you guys? And they're like, well, just come on. And then Gregor tells him that Mel is going to be there, whoever that is. So we have Mel. Mike, Martin, uh, but right away, Martin's like, yeah, okay, I'll be there. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Is Mel a guy? Can we get some, maybe some homoerotic shit? But it's not, it's not. You know, again, and we, we always bring this up. This is the early 2000s. They know what they're fucking doing. Some, there's some gay tones here. Don't tell me there's not from the spandex black bodysuit that the killer's wearing. Like the tightest pants I've ever seen. Don't tell me that's not gay. Um, it's something that's straight out of a Dom, a Dom movie. Uh, and then, then you got these guys circle jerking in the back over here talking about Mel and, oh, oh yeah. Mm. Like, the one guy has the most early 2000s hair, Martin. He looks like a, like a, oh my God, who's the, the one that he, he sang with a guitar. His hair was very spiked. Ryan. Oh, Ryan Cabrera. Uh, Ryan Cabrera. On the way down. He's got yeah. A, <laughs> yeah, he's got some Ryan Cabrera hair. Uh, and that's the only thing that differentiates him from the other men because he's also a brunette. Um, but you got to look for the little details if you're going to make it through yeah. this movie. Next, we get Sarah. 
going to Carmen's house. Apparently, none of these kids live on campus. They all own their own houses. That's how rich they are. Either their yeah. parents are rich enough to send them to a school out of the country. Yeah. So she is. So Sarah goes to Carmen. She goes in the backyard and she finds Carmen floating face down in her pool, another pool. Um, oh my god! And Sarah fucking flips her shit, runs to the edge of the pool, and instead of doing anything, she reaches out and she's like, "Oh my god, Carmen, take my hand, take my hand, Carmen!" And it's like, "Bitch, if you really cared, you'd get in the pool." Now you do find out that plays a factor. But- There's a dramatic swelling of music, and we find out. That Carmen is just basically practicing how long she can hold her breath underwater. Oh, like that's not going to come in yeah, handy. Yeah, I way. wrote down foreshadowing, but also there is no way <laughs> the way that fucking Sarah was screaming and carrying on. Oh my Carmen, god, Carmen. Carmen would have heard that. I don't. She was only floating on this. She wasn't underwater. Her face was in oh the, she God. was floating. She would have heard that. But when she comes up for air, she acts like she surprised that Sarah's there. I'm like, bitch, you just heard her screaming her fucking head off. Well, one thing I like about Carmen is I don't think she gives a fuck. <laughs> I think Carmen is very much doing what Carmen's wanting to do over the course of this film. Um, and if it betters Carmen, she goes for it. And if it inconveniences other people, she doesn't really care. Uh, she and Sarah have a strange friendship. Apparently, they're best friends and have had a long friendship because this comes up. But Carmen does a few things throughout the course of this film that very much seems like she's like, uh, fuck you, Sarah. Um, you mean nothing to me, and I'm co- totally going to disregard you and your feelings. Because apparently, I'm guessing Carmen knows about Sarah's Damn, issue with Sarah, water. To me, Sarah, okay, can we just get it out there? Sarah is an awful final girl. Yes. Uh, boring as bland oh as fuck. And it's not boring. She never overcomes her. Well, no, she overcomes is, her shit. What am I saying? Like, but. it reminded me, she reminded me, even with the, the same sort of backstory about being scared of water. You know who it reminded me of? Rennie from Friday the 13th, part eight. Just this whiny, mm. bland, like, I don't give a fuck about you, Sarah. It kind of suffered like this, like, it seemed like slasher movies after Scream kind of suffered from this, like, bland final girl syndrome. Like, we had, like, uh, yeah. what's, what's her fucking name from Urban Legend? Um, Natalie. Oh, don't come for her. Don't you? Uh, no, I'll fight you to the death on Natalie. I love, I love I a redhead. I do too, but she was neck. bland oh, as fuck. And <laughs> she's doe-eyed and <laughs> very scared at all Jennifer times, but Jennifer I love her. Hewitt, I don't think she's, I know <laughs> she's got those big old boobies though. It doesn't matter. They're delivering. I hear you though. But I'm just saying, like, there is nothing about Sarah that I find appealing. Like, I would not have cared right. if she would have died. Right they now. try really hard, though, to make Sarah, like, endearing. Like, she's always making, like, likable comments. And she's like, come on, guys. We can do things. Like, she's, like, the ray of light in this circle of assholes. Everybody in this group is a fucking detestable. And then you got Sarah, who's so nice that she's unlikable, too. And it makes her almost more difficult to deal with. Yeah, I much preferred Carmen. Yes, than Sarah. Sarah was just boring. I gotta say, a lot of our listeners have very much expressed that they like this movie, and I was going to this, I was very much prepared to like be like, I like this film. And I said, let me be clear, I still like this film, but it is a 
not a great movie. It doesn't mean that this is a great movie. <laughs> I like the film. It's fun. Like we t- we said at the beginning, it's yes. a popcorn flick straight through. If you want to sit back and be entertained, yes. it's going to entertain the fuck out of you. However, it's, our job as, as professional reviewers, to, yeah, as professional my movie has a two point four on IMDb. To, I'm allowed to have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I think mine has a wait. Well, teacher shortage is still six point. Oh, it's no, it dropped to five. I checked it today. It did. It dropped to a five, but it's you know, it's still a five. At least you're not a two point three. But you know what? We got this. We're good. Um, and our you know our criticisms are not saying that the movie doesn't deliver what it's meant to do in the long run. It does that really fucking well. It doesn't mean that the characters are necessarily likable, though. You just would rather see them die in the long run. And I guess that makes for a good slasher in the long run as well. So, um, overall, would I say that this movie didn't keep me entertained beginning to end? No, I thought this movie was extremely entertaining. I just hated the people in it. (laughs) (laughs) Continue. That's pretty much it. And we're done with the review. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> we're signing off. We're gonna get a lot of one oh star ratings. Oh, certain! I know a few gays are gonna be coming for us coming for tomorrow us morning. We, we have yeah. Ooh, mm, puff, puff, puff. Okay, now continue. <laughs> Uh, where am I? I don't know where the fuck we're I'm bitching at. Oh. about Sarah. We're just bitching. Okay, well, <laughs> Sarah. Well, okay. So Sarah, though, is as bland as she is. She does have Gregor, who's pretty hot. Yes. Uh, the next scene is somehow she gets to Gregor's house, and they're in bed now, and they are playing this game about who they'd rather fuck, and they're going through like, oh, Brad Pitt or Johnny Depp or Angelina Jolie or Jennifer Aniston, and then Sarah. Says, would you rather fuck Mel or Carmen? Don't open that can of worms, well, girl. And, mm, she did. She did. Quiet. She brought it on herself. He gets quiet. He gets quiet. Yeah. Well, he, he gets defensive. He's like, why would you? He's like, why would you ask that? Why would you ever say that? No, 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 no. And she's like, oh, come on. It's just a game. Listen, I played that game before. And you know what I'm playing that game with people? To be manipulative. So I have a reason to be jealous. I, I'm not stupid. I know when people ask that question that there's a secret meaning behind it. Sarah is playing games. Uh, but then they, they do talk about how it's they're they're going their, that everyone's going their separate ways, but she loves him. So I, I don't know if she was planning on staying in Czechoslovakia to be with him, even though she's from America. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and she almost bails out of going to the party. Um, and he, convinces her to to attend uh which in a way only adds to the red herring vibe but he does it in a very like boyfriendy way it seems very genuine but it still is suspicious um just in the fact that as you'll learn the whole goal is to get all of the characters trapped in this environment uh once they arrive so um uh they get over their little dialogue of you know questioning life and why they're all together and uh, they proceed. They proceed to. Well, it cuts to now. Mike and Kim, Isla and James are are at some remote lake, and he asks her about going to the party again, and then she uh, proceeds to like literally freak out at him, just screaming at him, 
And I don't, you are nothing. She's like, I'm so sick of you rich people. All you do is care about your Beamers and your Mercedes. And I'm going back to where I came from. It's over. So she basically breaks up with him. Yeah. And the whole time he just stands, like he stands there and looks at her kind of with like an expression of like, are you fucking kidding me? Like he, it can obviously do better than this unstable woman. She is erupting on him for no reason um and she takes off like she just up and leaves she doesn't think it over at all because she apparently is a good distance from anywhere civilized or they're like the middle of the woods right so she's like walking back on this path at one point she's obviously like miles away yeah it's nighttime now all of a sudden and she's walking she's walking down this road and she comes to mike's truck that's parked there somehow because we do earlier, we do see someone get in Mike's truck and drive it. But then how did they get to the lake? I How did they get to the lake? I don't know. But she is walking down. She comes to his truck. And now she sees this truck. And now the bitch is trying to be nice. Now she's like, oh, Mike, answer me. I'm just kidding. I just want to go home. I'm sorry. I said oh, there's really awful things back there. I'm sorry. Uh, like, yeah, she's like sucking dick. Not literally, but, you know, figuratively sucking dick, trying to get a ride back. And then she hears that there's somebody in the woods. The, the car's locked. There's nobody in it, but there's someone in the woods. Um, and you can hear them, like, moving around her and the branches breaking and everything. And it's the killer. The killer jumps out at her. And she falls and he tries to hack her. And can we just say this machete is sharp as fuck? How many shots in this film are there of this machete slicing into shit as when the killer misses? Stabbing through metal. Stabbing through metal, <gasps> slicing into branches. Every time he misses, there's a shot of like whatever he misses, this machete like literally slicing into it. I'm like, this has to be the world's sharpest machete. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think whoever the killer is, is making up for, you know, something by having a really big fucking machete, too. And when you find out in the ending who it is, it only makes all the more sense. Um, <laughs> but um, I will say about Isla Fisher, at least she's got a good running uh, scene. Yeah, there is. A because she tries. There is a nice little chase scene here. She gets chased through the woods. There's there's a couple of close calls where she falls and the killer swings at her and misses. And then she gets away, and as she as she's running, she comes to this house in the woods that has lights on, which is never good. But as she turns to run to this house, the killer appears in front of her and shoves the machete through her stomach, and it comes out her back. And it looks like to be a very painful, painful death. Yeah, they do a really nice... Um aerial shot above her that starts rotating and she's bleeding out and it's like a nice and long shot so it does make it seem like it's like a drawn out kill which i appreciate there's a few points that while she's running where isla fisher like stops and she's like oh god oh no like looking around like oh my god like over her shoulder and it's like bitch like don't stop don't ever stop do not stop until you are somewhere um that is why you died isla fisher because you stopped like a moron and hesitated before screaming at the top of your lungs and busting through that door of that house asking for help. So, um, you know, she, she brought it on herself by being a fucking bitch. Yeah. It's, it's a painful, all of the deaths in this film, they might, they don't mind. They might not be graphic, but they're, they look very painful. Yes. This, this movie definitely like as, especially as it progresses, it, um, delivers on the kill front for sure. Uh, there's several kills that are really entertaining, 
Um, and we will get to those as we always do. So now we cut to the group of kids waiting for Greg to show up outside of the, the party that they were just at. Uh, they exchange all of these, like you said, millennial bro insults, like, you know, oh, bro, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's such a dick-sized contest. Yeah. And uh, Gregor shows up, and they all get in their cars, and we know it's... Actually, they have, they have cassette players in their car, which seems mm-hmm. a little... A bit dated. A little dated. 2001, wouldn't you have a CD player? But they all have cassette players. They push their cassettes in at the same time. And we get a montage with the lady, late 90s alt-rock boy band music playing. My God, what a driving montage. It is quite long. And they're joking and singing and standing up in the car and being obnoxious and problematic behind the wheel and... Um, they're really having a good time in their fancy hot rods uh, until they arrive at the location of the film, the key location. They pull up in front of this large building. Well, the one girl, remember, she flashed her tits so she can get some beer. Oh, yeah. That's Mel. We do, Yeah, it's Mel. We do get an obligatory tit shot. Mm-hmm. B-cup Mel. Very quick, but it's there. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the, they arrive at the facility, but then there's just this weird sort of out of nowhere scene with a police officer showing up in an apartment where there is a dead girl that was, that's there that someone found a dead girl in this apartment. And we find out that they think for some reason that it could be her stepbrother that killed her. We don't know who it is, but the the one officer is like, Oh, here's this picture. And they, they, they never show the picture and then it's mentioned that well he he goes to this college and he's he's probably at this party celebrating you know this annual party that they have, so yeah, kind of set up the fact that one of these kids is the killer. Yeah, well, and it's I honestly thought that this was like the discovery of the body of the girl from the opening. The one that got stabbed in the pool. But, like, I, I I don't know. It was so out of nowhere. And they introduced this cop character, this detective, this old, like, like weathered, fuck my life detective. Um, who is... I almost feel like they're trying to find a Dr. Loomis to a, to a Michael Myers counterpart in this movie that... Is a thing that, like, if they maybe explored it more, could have been, I don't know, interesting? Because there's nothing else like that in this film. But this guy has kind of like a through story over the course of the movie. Uh, It's thin, though, so you don't really get a lot from it. You just get some weird, unnecessary exposition that you don't even know if it exactly ties in for sure. Are you, you're talking about the police officer? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the most undeveloped characters in the entire film. I, I really honestly feel like this whole, his every, every scene that this guy is in could have been cut from the film mm-hmm. and it would not have changed one thing about the film, period. At all. Nothing at we all. Already, we already have a red herring with the way we... A, we know there's a killer based on the opening scene. Mm-hmm. B, we know they're already trying to... F- force gregor as a red herring down our throat yeah so we didn't need this at all no. the only thing this did was provide 
a gun for another character mm. to discover True. at a point in the, the movie. True. I literally think they're like, how do we get a gun in a in a swimming pool? <laughs> like, how do we get this gun there? Um, but, you know, I, I will say, like, I... I knew that this was going to be the case with this character. I had, like, had a gut feeling. I was like, this guy's going to be so disposable. And I'm bummed that I was right because I was hoping for there to be, like, something a little bit more in this movie. Um, trying to maybe give us, like, a more complex explanation for why this is happening and what exactly is going on, but they chose to just not tie it in. It really was just kind of a waste of time. Yeah. I, I don't even think he's given a proper name. Mm-hmm. He's just called officer. Uh, yeah. It's, it's so unnecessary, but after this scene, we get a scene, we get basically the kids arrive at this giant indoor water facility. And I do have to say it is an awesome location for a slasher film. It is. Oh, yeah. I will say it is 100% what makes this film so entertaining? Oh, absolutely. Th- what makes this film entertaining is not the cast of characters. No. Uh, it is the, it's the setting and the kills, um, which I guess if you're, if you're talking about a slasher movie, that's what you want, right? Yeah. So right there, it kind of knocks it out of the park, knocks yeah. it out of the park. Absolutely. The location, the introduction to it, they bring everybody into this hallway and, one of the characters goes lights and all of a sudden all the lights turn on and they walk in through this hall to reveal the main area of the pool. And it really is kind of breathtaking. It's, it's really, really like high end um, mm-hmm. ornate. It almost looks like something straight out of Las Vegas, you know, um, or the, yes. the fact that this is in like a European country, it makes sense because it's just so much more pristine than anything we would see here. Um, and it does elevate this movie 10 times. Like, it really just kicks it up so many notches. Um, because other than that, this movie would just be another disposable slasher with a really thin cast of characters. One thing I do want to point out, because I actually had a note on this, but as I was bitching about this cop, I forgot to, to mention it. Um, the one thing that they do mention, him and his other police officer who are investigating this body, they bring up the whole fact that it could be... Sus- potentially this brother who um stepbrother um they they do make sure to acknowledge that he is schizophrenic one of my favorite fallback explanations for why a killer kills schizophrenia um let's use a thin veneer description of a mental illness uh and and just throw that veil on the rest of the movie because then Whoever the killer is, they're just going to be like, and he's schizophrenic. Like, you know, they really, they don't go into it anymore other than just bringing up the term schizophrenic. And I thought that was like, kind of, I hate to be like problematic, but. Well, and I was just going to mention, we've taught, we've, we've covered a couple of films that are considered problematic because of the killers and, and, and Sleepaway Camp, for example, is one of the films that we, we talked about. If you haven't listened to our Sleepaway Camp episode, go back and do it. Cause it is probably one of our yeah. best. Um, but, but we do talk about that film being viewed as, as problematic. And we, I think we both agreed that we don't think it's transphobic, but the same people that will say it's transphobic will look at this film and say, Oh my God, it's entertaining as fuck. Even though what they are trying to do at this moment is pin a mental illness, schizophrenia uh, as an excuse to slaughter 
a bunch of people mm-hmm. with a machete. Well, yeah. And not only... However... Oh, go on. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, however, that's really not his motive in this no. film at all. But it is thrown out there as being... Uh, Pa- oh well he's schizophrenic he must have killed a stepsister and now everyone else he's around is in danger I, uh, exactly like they literally just bring up the terminology just to have it in there and they don't give it any merit or nuance or any um they don't delve any deeper into like the humanity behind it and that's where i think it's kind of like a a little bit of an insult to anyone with mental illness, really. Um, but this is very much of the times, like that early 2000s approach to this kind of material. So I'm not really that shocked. Um, but it, I just wanted to acknowledge that. I also want to acknowledge when they walk into this damn pool, like, was it really that easy <laughs> to break into this luxurious pool setting because i mean this is a big space i feel like this location would have a far more complex alarm system and cameras and yes i understand that the one character marvin is that his name martin <laughs> i can't even remember all the names are a blur for me martin like yes i understand that he's like a mechanic but is he really equipped to override these alarms and cameras for this High, what I'm assuming would have to be a high tech alarm system because this place looks expensive as fuck. Oh, it give it gives the film it, right away. This location amps the film's production value up like tenfold. Uh, I mean, they had to have spent some money on this location. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, we can't stress that enough. It is an absolutely stunning location for a slasher film and so yeah but like you mentioned obviously it's pretty easy to to break into and from the outside it doesn't it looks like doesn't look that great it looks like just like a giant warehouse but then you get it at least it looks like a meat packing plant yes (laughs) like like it is a surprise it's like when when dorothy (laughs) enters oz and she opens the door she's like oh like that's what it feels yeah, like. <laughs> you know, there, there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of slasher films set in a pool. Although I will talk about, we'll get there here real quick. Is one of the first. Yeah, oh, I can't wait. So they get to the pool. Now there is this again. This fucking film and its long montages. I just want to. There is this long montage of them all, like of basically pool shenanigans. They all change into their bathing suits. The guys get into their swim trunks, which again. Baggy as fuck. I wanted to see some skin. I wanted to see some bulges. Yeah. We don't get any of that because yes. they are wearing basically trash uh, bags. Well, trash bags. And not only that, none of these, like all of these men have the exact same like frail, like 17 year old boy build. That's no, so, I mean, they all have nice bodies, but that that is one thing I did notice is like none of these guys are like overly like muscular. Like they look like they're just yeah. basically typical college guys that might work out a bit there none of them are overly buff they're all pretty much lean but again can we just say that makes them all look exactly the same exactly exactly like i'll say they did a pretty good job of casting people who look like they could be graduating college uh it doesn't look like too much of a stretch for any of the cast members really but um yes they more so than ever blur together and become one one like the same description applies to all of them yeah kind of european olive skin i mean i'm not gonna <laughs> yeah i would tell no. any of them no i'm not gonna kick any of them out of bed but uh, they all i don't know who any of them are the i mean they just they exist within this world do you really no. have to if they're no. No, i'm just kidding uh <laughs> there is this little scene of or a little clip of carmen and 
please correct me if I'm wrong, because I honestly, again, this is the problem with the film. Is it Gregor that she is underwater with? Yeah, it's the boyfriend. Kissing and, yes, and grabbing his dick. Yeah, I'm like, come on, Carmen. We're being a real good friend of Sarah, I see. Yes, because Sarah, okay, because we have to mention, Sarah won't get in the water. Sarah doesn't swim. Sarah's haunted she's by basically- ghosts of her past. Yeah, she's basically Rennie from Friday the 13th Part 8. She hates, she's scared of water. Her father died while trying to save her. Trying to save her, Drew. We do find that. She's moping around. If it's not one and story, one point, it's another. We've heard it all before. And at one point, one character is like, why the fuck did you come then if you're so scared of water? I'm like, yes, you stayed your ass Well, home. and that's what I will say there is Greg, Gur, Gregor, or Greg. They call him Greg at a few points, I think. But yes. Gregor um, doesn't, listen... He's been dating this chick for a while. I would think that he would have the the know-how in a re- in a relationship to think, hmm, maybe I shouldn't take my girlfriend to this location that automatically triggers her phobias. I would think that he would know that that's a bad move. Now maybe he's trying to push her to do something to help her get over it. Like me, I hate driving. I can't drive. I I drove for 2 years. I hate it. Sometimes my boyfriend forces me to sit behind the wheel and berates me, um, which is helpful, you know. Uh, but that would be like him taking me to a submarine and telling me to get onto a submarine. I have a phobia of submarines unlike anything. Irrational fear of submarines. So I'm similar to Sarah. Um, so I understand her anger because she expresses. She's like, I'm pretty pissed that you brought me to the place that triggers my memories of the death of my father. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But it's a bad boyfriend move, don't you think? Care well. Here's the thing. I'm just gonna throw this out here too. I feel like Gregor. I feel like Sarah gives a much more of a fuck about oh, Gregor than he does. Ain't it the truth? She says I love you to him like five times in this movie. And he never says yeah. that. Never. And he he kisses Carmen. He like lets her. Oh, he's grab the worst boyfriend ever. He's so bad. And Carmen's the worst friend ever. God, yes, these people. And, like, Sarah's like, okay, is Sarah vanilla and boring as as all hell? Yes. She's very lame. But she also seems like she's a very nice person. Too nice, in my opinion. She's always trying to be helpful and kind to people. And she kind of gets shat all over by the people she's closest to. So, um, uh, I don't know. Some people have it coming in regards to what happens. Yeah, this is when, after this scene, this is when Chris... Again, one of the guys that looks exactly like all the others, Chris grabs, like he notices Sarah's not gotten in the water. So he grabs her and is going to throw her in the water. And she's like, leave me alone. Let me put me down, blah, blah, blah. And she like punches him. Well, Chris is a sexual predator and he probably should be punched. Because at one point he also takes off um, Mel's bottoms (laughs) of her bathing suit. And and she's like, give him the fuck back. Which, I mean, a woman should say in that moment. And he thinks it's hilarious. So Chris is a sexual predator. He deserves to be punched. She gets his nose to start bleeding. So she's got a good right hook. And she's screaming at him. And Gregor comes. And this is when you find out that Sarah can't go in the water. And Gregor's like, you can't. Sarah, she can never, she can never go in the water. And he's like, why? He's like, we don't talk about it. And then this is when Chris is like, why the fuck did you come then? And she's like, I don't know. Why did I come? And she's storms off i'm like oh god yeah she's like i'm fucking pissed that you brought me here gregor now we cut to a random couple who i don't remember seeing before (laughs) playing on a water slide 
Their names are Carter and Svenja, I believe. I you probably looked it up on AMDB. Well, I listen. I I did because here's what threw me off. I was like, okay, who in this group? Which one of the girls has long hair? And because yes, the only girls they ever focus on are Carmen, Mel, and Sarah, and they and all then, have like you know they all have like shorter hair. Yeah, and then. You just get this random girl going yeah. on a slide with this random guy, yeah. who again is brunette. Yes, again, I thought he was one of the many other men that we have already been seeing. I just thought he was one of them. We keep saying this, but folks, trust me, these guys all look the same. Uh, and so they're going down a water slide, and it looks fun. Oh god, they're having the time of their lives. Oh, it's a beautiful water slide. There's like lights that are flashing as they go down, and it seems to be like t- a ten minute long slide. Yeah. This slide is the longest fucking water slide in the history of mankind. Especially when the girl goes down by herself, it takes an hour to her to get to the bottom. But they go down once, and she's like, "Oh, I want to go again," and he's like. Go, yes, go. <laughs> no, well, he's like, I want you to ride something else. And she's and she's like, no, we're going down one more time. And he's like, no, you go, because if I go, I'm puking. So I'll wait for you. So she proceeds to go up to this water slide, and she's going to go down by herself again. So she starts to go down. I'm telling you, this is a long-ass water slide, because she's having the time of her life going oh, down it. Chuckling. And she, even, she calls to him from the top of the slide, and her voice is, it's like distant. It's like... I'm about to cut down now. Like, you can hear like, it, it didn't look like it had that high of a ceiling. No, it must just be the length of the building, maybe. But it sounds like she's like a mile away. But yeah, so she's going down, chuckling, laughing, cheering. Meanwhile, Troy. Not for long, bitch. Not for long. Meanwhile, her boyfriend, what did you say his name was? Uh, Carter. Okay, come on. So now we got Carter, Chris. Ugh. But then we got Svenja. 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 S-V-E-N-J-A. See, we do our homework here. Roger looked on IMDb to learn how to spell her name just for you. (laughs) Because I didn't know what they were saying because they're walking around calling for her. And I was like, what is this woman's name? Anyways, as she's going down, the killer jumps out of the water and slashes Carter across the chest with the machete and then proceeds to like stab him brutally through the back. It's pretty great. It's pretty, again, painful looking. Yeah. People take a long time to die in this film too. Like it's, yes. it's not like your typical, oh, you get stabbed, you drop dead. Like there's, that shows like them suffering and spitting out blood and grueling in pain. So in the meantime, she's still going down this fucking water slide still. Okay. So we've had a kid. We have, a, we've had a person get killed. We've had all this shit go on and she's still on this fucking water slide. So <laughs> what happens is the killer shoves his machete through the stabs it through the water slide. So as she's coming down legs spread going full speed, she can't stop. She sees the machete in the body just in time, but she can't stop. And so she basically goes legs first right into this fucking machete. Oh my God. How painful would this be? It slices her vagina. I mean, and blood and guts just (laughs) fly down the fucking slide. I, um, like you knew it was coming. You knew that something was coming, that she was going to, you know, be impaled or what have you. I love the moment when she turns the bend and sees the bottom of the slide. And you could see, like, she sees 
what's about to happen and she's trying to stop and there's like that moment there's nothing you can do and that's where like the real intensity hits with this kill it's like you know his kill's fine it's good but like there's this moment where you're like oh shit like she knows exactly what's coming for her and when she hits and you see her legs hit and stop at the edge of the slide and then her knees go like limp and her legs just drop and it's so it's such a good shot it's so cool I mean, it is one of the most creative oh, yeah. slasher deaths I think we got at, in, in the 2000s. I mean, it's 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 very creative. I will say, because someone mentioned this film, there's a film. I don't know if you've have you seen it, Roger. It came out a couple of years ago called Aqua Slash. No, but I feel like I remember hearing about this movie. Basically, the film took this one death scene. Okay. And tried to make a feature film around it. Nice. And it sucks. It's really bad. Okay. I mean, it's really bad. Like nothing literally happens until like the last five minutes of the film where there's a water slide and the grand opening of this water slide park that these people have been trying to like, these certain people have been trying to like shut down so it doesn't get to open. So they're, they plan to like, they feel like if they do this, like kill a bunch of people on opening day that it'll sink the water park. So an op- on opening day, there's a whole group of kids that are going down this water slide and the, the, the killer like shoves this, like it's like an X shaped two blades that are shaped as an X Yeah. through the water slide. So they yeah. have to hit it. Yeah. But it literally it's like the last five minutes of the film and the, the remainder of the film is just a bunch of like comedy kids, like pork. It's so bad. I'm like, Ugh. but they took this idea. They try to make it a feature film out of it and it just didn't work. What works about this film is it's just comes out of nowhere you're not yeah. expecting it. It's not like a, it's not like a set piece that is there to carry the film because this happens pretty early in the right. film. It, it's, it's like one of the first major deaths of the film. Yeah. Dare I say major only in the sense that these characters really serve no purpose other than to, other die than to be killed. but, um, but it is a great kill and it really does like set the bar high for the rest of the kills over the course of the movie. And I will say that like, while not every kill is absolutely amazing, this movie does have a few that stand out. Well, this is the standout film. Yeah, I think this death is pretty awesome. Uh, then it cuts to Mike and Sarah having a little bit of a moment together. He he's draw, he draws her on a napkin and gives it to her. And she's like, and this is what I'm just like, Sarah, I just want to slap you because you have this really cute guy, James McAvoy, with his beautiful Irish accent, especially in this particular scene. Oh. Ugh swoon and she's like so dismissive of him swoon. he gives her this napkin then he drew a picture and she's like oh thank you i'm gonna give it to gregor and he's like it's not for gregor it's for you and she he tries to tell her that gregor is not like a good boyfriend and yeah before he can really tell her anymore gregor comes and so that ruins that moment yeah, yeah. You know, that this is an angle of this character that, again, if we're going to talk about unexplored story arcs, this his character isn't really given a chance to develop this anymore. His, you know, his kindness towards Sarah, his informing her of what ends up being a pretty prominent aspect of Gregor's character. Um, uh, the character of Mike, you kind of think he's going to be more pivotal because he has this whole breakup that he goes through. He's kind of going through the whole, like, it's uh, Kim. Was that her name, Kim? 
yeah, like the whole thing, like what happened with Kim, like he does have a moment where he recalls that. And um, uh, you, you feel almost like he's going to maybe step up as being like one of the final guys. You know what I mean? It, like they seem to develop him in a way where you expect that to be the case and it doesn't happen. I'll say that right now. And it's a letdown because he really is charming in this. He really is one of the best actors in this film. He's he his character's done dirty in this film because they really do set it up that he is he's given uh, based on this large cast he really is given he's one of the characters that's that's given sort of the most to do. I would say even more than like Sarah or even Gregor who Gregor's sole purpose in this film is just to be a red herring and uh be a dick because Gregor's character disappears th- through huge chunks of this film. So whereas the Mike character is pretty present throughout the whole thing until that one shitty thing that happens to him, which we are getting there. So after this little encounter, we do cut to now Martin and Mel have hooked up. They're having a little moment in the pool where he's basically apparently they've dated or something because he's telling her how much he's missed her. And they basically are sitting in the pool and then they decide to go have sex in the workout room. So they're making out hot, heavy on the uh, workout bench. And she's like, do you have a condom? These clearly aren't gay men. No, no, because they would have just been shoved in right then and there. Raw dogging it right there. (laughs) Yep, Exactly. But Mel wants a condom. So he's like, oh, yeah, I have a whole. And she's like, oh, you better bring a box full. Oh, boy, Mel. (laughs) Can't feel a thing, but okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah, condoms. Not my favorite. Uh, Who likes them? (laughs) Apparently, Gregor, or apparently, what is his name? Martin, because he sure gets up and runs to get one. I'd have been like, bitch, just jerk me off. Like, seriously, I'm not even wasting Open your mouth. <laughs> lay back lay back on that workout bench and open your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he runs off and um <laughs> he runs off to get rubbers and she's laying there and it does cut away for a moment, but overall I just kinda want to tackle this sequence as one sequence because it is a pretty uh, fun sequence. Um She's laying there on the bench, and you see, like, these hands come down and start fondling her boobies. Um, and she's like, oh, yeah. Like, for me, if someone started touching me like that, I'd be like, Ugh. Like, I would, like, jump up, like, immediately need to know who it was. But she, uh, you know, essentially opens her eyes, and it's the killer. And he takes the um, the barbell, and he lifts it and just drops it. And girl stops it right before it, like, <laughs> crushes her. So, first of all, like, good form. She's, you know, got some upper body strength. I'm happy for her. But we, we've all been there before. Troy, I know you've been there before, where you're... You're bench pressing and you're like, I can do an extra 15, 20 today. And you throw them up. <laughs> you go to lift and it just drops and you're almost about to crush your windpipe and your like arms are trembling and you're like, oh God, oh God, this is how I die. This is how I die. Like, I've had this happen many times to me before. I really can relate to Mel because I'm not all that strong. I have probably the same upper body strength as a 20 something year old woman. And, um, at that moment, I was like, if this is how she goes out, dear, I'll never bench press again. No, but it reminded me of the, the, the death scene and happy birthday to me. We see all these connections now between, you know, we, we see, we've, we've done this, what, 33 times. Oh yeah. So and they all start to, they all they start, all start to, to resemble of, each yes, other. <laughs> they really do. 
too. But she's able, to, as, right as he's getting ready to like, he even, he like, it's really kind of <laughs> creepy because he, he takes the blade of the machete and puts it on her neck. Like he's like getting his aim. Like he, so yeah. he knows where to hit. So he taps it on her neck a, a few times and then raises it. And she is able to push the dumbbell off and, and hit him and get up and run. So even Mel gets a nice little chase scene through this kind of large, isolated pool area. Although, I mean, how fucking big is this place? Because she's running forever and can't find any of her friends who are here. Yeah. Well, she ends up cutting through the um, like the locker rooms while everybody else, everyone else in the pool has cu- has culminated together now and are flipping out because they have found the bodies. Yes, I was just going to get there of Svenja and uh, and Carter. And so they're all freaking out and right, rightfully so, but they don't call the police. And I don't, I know he says that his cell phone is in the car, but they do realize that the phones are dead, correct? I don't know. Who were the, I'm pretty sure they do. Okay. So Carmen and one of the other guys find the body, find Carter and Svenja, Svenja, (laughs) they find their bodies in the pool. It's full of blood. Who's the other guy? Is it Chris? Chris, uh, oh, is it um? There's Chris, and then there's also um Diego. Or Diego. What is it? Diego has a mustache. Is it Raphael? Is is there a fucking Raphael in this clip? I I'm feeling I like there's. A I Raphael. hope not, because I don't know who they are at all. <laughs> is there a Raphael? I put. I have in my notes. Hold I the have phone. Raphael. A Raphael. <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck did he come from? <laughs> Where, who is what's Raphael's story? I need you to prove to I me know. that Raphael is a character in this because I don't think you're right. Okay, it might be Diego. Okay, I, I swear to God, it's Raphael. Uh, no, Diego is the Argentinian. That's the re- I have a friend, Sebastian, who is Argentinian. So anytime I hear the term Argentina, I think of him and I think of Patti Lapone singing a new Argentina from Evita. And so for some reason. Argentina sticks out to me when it's mentioned. So I heard them say that he's from Argentina, and so I immediately was drawn to Diego because, full circle, my friend Sebastian's brother's name is Diego. So I was like, this is easy for me to identify. But Raphael. Okay, we'll just say we'll just say Diego. Diego sounds nice. I could be making Raphael up. I I don't think there's anyone in this movie named Raphael whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> but if he's in it, we're gonna find him. So Diego. Diego, is it her? Her and Diego find, or her and Chris find the dead bodies. I, I personally, am a lot of times, am not a fan uh, when a slasher movie, like halfway through, does this, where like all of the characters find the bodies, and then it's basically the rest of the film is like they know there's a killer and they're trying to break up. And f- I prefer right. like the the old fashioned, like nobody knows there's a killer until you get to the final girl. Uh, so, but this it, this it kind of works here. It kind of works here. So they're trying to get out. They find out that basically they discover the group finds out that they're locked in. Right. Because Sarah very specifically turns as as they're trying to open the doors and they're clearly locked. She turns to everyone. She goes, we're locked in. We're locked in. (laughs) Like, Like she really hits it home. They are not getting out, and they are aware. So they immediately start to try to become pro- uh, proactive, run to the phones. They do check the phones because the phones are all dead, um, and they have no means of getting out. Now we cut back to Mel, who is running through the locker room. 
she makes the mistake. Is the noisiest runner yeah, I've ever well, heard. Well, she, she makes the mistake of stopping. She stops, like, to look around. And why, you know, this is, again, people, if you ever find yourself being chased by a killer, don't fucking stop. Just run. No. Run. Run. Bl- blindly into the night. I don't care where you're going. Once I got mugged, Troy, once I got mugged, and this is a true story, and I was getting mugged and I just ran into oncoming traffic, <laughs> because if I was going to die, at least I was going to die by my own regard, and not at the hands of someone trying to take my shit or claim my life. I will be in charge of my fate, sir. So yeah, just run blindly, blindly into the night. Poor Kim, earlier in the film, stopped. She got stabbed through her fucking stomach. The second that this broad, Mel stops, the killer fucking chops her feet off oh it's wild and kind of strange how they she, do it she she uh, stands she stops in front of like a like a I, i'm assuming it's either a shower or a bathroom stall that has you know it has like the foot of space underneath it so that you can yeah. like see underneath so she's standing there and all of a sudden the killer takes his machete and just whoosh, he must I don't know how you get that good of an aim being that close to the floor or that that strength to be able. Well, he he took the machete and shoved it through the wall. Didn't I don't know if I was seeing this clearly. Didn't he take like what didn't wasn't there like a wire involved, like a trip wire? No, he or was that he cuts her feet off with the machete. He swings the machete under her. She's standing next to the stall and he swings it under there and cuts her feet off. And she's like hanging she on must to the be top hanging of it, on right? because her hands are still there, and she's like, ah, ah, ah. and then he. Sh- well, reg- regardless, they do it in a way that you only see the killer's perspective. Yeah. You don't actually see anything of of her reveal uh, for this kill, and which is a big letdown, I will say. There is a reveal later when she's discovered, but even that is done in a way where you don't exactly know what well, he, happened. He stabs her th- once she she's hanging on. To the stall, he stabs her through the mach- through the stall with the machete, and she's like gurgling and and dies. Um, and then the group basically at the same time, uh, Martin's back. He's like, "Oh my god, I left Mel in the weight room." So they run and go find her. And this is when they go into the locker room, and and Mike actually like looks under the stall and sees like her feet are just yeah. like her severed feet are still like standing up. But they're severed. One is standing up and the other is knocked over. Which, like, again, I kind of understand what happened. But here's my thing. Listen to me. So, the killer. Let me get this straight. The killer. (laughs) Knows she's hiding behind this wall because she's, I'm guessing, hanging on to it. What have you. He chops her legs off. And then he stabs her through the door so she's support like she's hanging on it i'm guessing like kind of like a michael myers stabbing through the door and you know what i mean and the the body's just hanging there so when they find her body you just see the legs remember who knows where the body went the but but if the body's still being suspended that means the machete still has to be through the wall which means the killer either has a multiple machetes or he has just left his machete there it's not it's a poorly executed kill yeah i don't know I'm sorry. I think Mel is someone in this film who got done dirty. I think she had a pretty okay chase sequence, but I really don't know what happened to her. I know she got stabbed through a wall. I know her legs are now not attached. I don't know how because they didn't show it, but 
moving yeah, on. But, and there's nothing in this film that, that hints that the killer like takes bodies and tries to hide them, right? Right. Because basically right. all the other bodies are just left out in the open where they were killed. So you were very right. When when Mike when Mike bent down to look under the stall, he should have saw her dead body. But he doesn't. He yeah. just sees the feet. So where did the body go? Yeah. It's very confusing. I will say at this point, thank God, the men have at least put shirts on. So they're very easy to identify because their shirts are very loud. Uh, especially Mike, who's wearing a shirt that looks circa 1992 from like a new kids on the block music video. Um, but it helps to at least know who you're talking about now because clothing is involved. I also do want to acknowledge that there's a few scenes of dialogue of arguing, like when they find Martin and they first accuse him of being the killer. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? Cause like Mike, I'm pretty sure he, Mike punches him. Even they're, they're basically calling him out for being the killer. And he's like, I have no idea what's going on. The echo of the environment adds a lot. It, it amplifies the tension and the suspense. Like there's a really heavy echo because they're in these big pools and, you know, in the indoor pool sounds. Um, and it really adds to like the suspense factor. I really like that. Yeah. And they are getting into this territory where they're starting to accuse each other. Mm-hmm. But right away, like Mike brings up the fact that it could be Gregor because he's like, Gregor is the one that brought us here. Where's he at? You know, and and Sarah and he's like t- trying to convince Sarah that it could be Gregor. And then Chris is like, yeah, that motherfucker. He, where's he at? And like Sarah slaps him. And she's like, don't you ever talk about Gregor. Very defensive of her boyfriend who is actually cheating on her. Who doesn't give a shit about her. Who doesn't give a shit about her. Uh, we also, I do want to acknowledge when James McAvoy discovers the body of Mel, he vomits. And this is something now we've seen in several films that we've watched recently. The reaction of vomiting uh, immediately upon the discovery of gore or, uh, you know, innards or what have you. A a realistic reaction to something uh, repulsive. But uh, I don't know how much more puking I can handle. So many movies, people puke when they're disgusted. And it's making me sick to my stomach. Well, he does say, Mike does say he needs to go get some fresh air. Although, where, Mike? Because you've just where? established that you're locked into this pool building. So where are you going for fresh air? Yeah, however, the whole place smells like chlorine. However, sure. it does spark in Martin the idea of, wait, fresh air. So he thinks, oh, wow, air vents. So Martin, who is the only fucking character in this film that has a brain, is like, okay, so... We can get out either through the air vents or the pool um, tunnel system. There's this, there's the water, the pool system that's going to lead outside. But he's like, that's 100 yards long and nobody can hold their breath that long. Wah, wah, wah. Are we forgetting about poor Carmen in the scene <laughs> earlier where what's her name was freaking out, finding her in the pool, trying to hold her breath? You mean the scene where she was specifically proving how long she can hold her breath for. Yes, I remember. I, and I love the fact that Carmen's like, I can do it. And he's like, no, you can't. And they just like dismiss her. They don't even like, he's like, well, fuck you. You can't do it. You do. You dumb. Yeah. Uh, but so they, they make a plan to get into the vents and the vents are going to lead outside. So some arguing, blah, blah, blah. They all get into the vents, right? Uh, it's basically Martin gets in the vent followed by Sarah Carmen and then Mike and then Chris 
is like left there to his own devices. He's like, because they're like, well, you can't get in because nobody's going to be able to help you in. Although where the fuck is Raphael or Mario or whatever his name is? What's his name? Well, didn't Diego go with Diego? Um, didn't he go with um, Greg Gregor? I don't fucking know there. But then, and then you get a scene with. OK, so Frank, where the fuck has Frank been this whole time? Because all Frank? of a sudden we are cut to a scene of Frank, like coming out of a bathroom stall after getting sick. And he hears a noise and he goes to investigate it. And then it cuts back to the group in the vent. They're crawling through the vent. Martin gets to the end, but he can't get the screw off of the the vent thing. And uh, all of a sudden, this is, okay, this is where this film pisses me off. All of a sudden, they're like, guys, we need, what are we going to do? And Mike's trying, Mike gets ready to say something. And all of a sudden, he's like, <gasps> And like blood splashes out of his mouth. And, and we see that Mike has been stabbed through his body with the machete. Through the vent. Through the vent. Through the metal vent. That is. Well, it's impl- but it's where. OK. Implausible. A, yes, it's implausible. Where is this? Kill- the killer cannot be under the whole ventilation system. Where is he at? No. He sure he sure knows exactly where he they knows are. where they're at. There's apparently there's apparently ample space underneath the vents for him just to stab up. I don't know, but because he starts stabbing oh through the God, whole damn it becomes thing. like a Halloween five Jamie stuck in oh an air vent thing. Yes, and it's like a he's like he's stabbing through paper. Yeah, it goes very easily. But I but okay, can we just talk about Mike's character being yes. done dirty? here? Oh yes, I mean there is no build up to him being killed. He's basically dispatched within a matter of like five seconds. If that, and it's a character that like we mentioned has been given a lot to do. Yeah. He actually has been focused on and been given purpose. Like even in the way they approached his character with Kim in the beginning of the movie, like he kind of had his own separate story arc that seemed like they were following him for a reason. It kind of seemed like you're getting Sarah's story. And then meanwhile, you're kind of getting Mike's story and and uh, I really thought that it was going to come down to him as one of like, the final two. Me too. Me too. Um, and it is disappointing because what they do here with this whole sequence, this movie likes to kill people off in twos. There's I think three separate kills that where two people are dispatched together: the opening, the water slide, and now with this, as we speed this along, they start. You know, there's a whole sequence where they're crawling through the vents. Of course, they are. They're trying to get through the killer stabbing through it coming through it um and um marvin martin martin gets stabbed in like the leg i believe or the arm and so he has the girls go ahead and he ends up getting killed right before he gets out he gets stabbed in the torso and he dies and and so that even takes away from mike's kill even more because it's outshadowed he's got mike is the farrah fawcett and martin is the michael jackson like, they both died on the same day. Farrah Fawcett died just before Michael Jackson. We thus did not properly acknowledge Farrah Fawcett's death because Michael Jackson stole the thunder. Um, and in this case, M- uh, Mike is definitely the Farrah Fawcett. And it makes me mad because his character, I think, at the end of the day, was the most one of the most important ones in the movie. And one of the most likable. Yes. And what what kills me is that Sarah and Carmen act way more upset about the fact that Martin was killed than they do Mike. Yeah. I mean, they're balling. And okay, Martin was a cool. I liked Martin, but yeah. 
Mike Mike was done dirty, but you know what? He got the last laugh because it's James McAvoy and like he's gone on to do way more popular things. Split. Yeah. Uh, he's bigger than uh, all of them. X-Men. He's done all of it. Yeah. So you get it. You get it. James Even Mac. bigger than Isla me. fucking Fisher. Oh, yeah. Being stabbed in an event to go. Yeah. But I was like, Ugh. yeah, I feel okay. you. I definitely feel you on that for sure. So they the two, the two girls get out of the vent at the same time. The killer in his little. OK, and this is when you start to see this killer has a nice fucking body. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this tight, this tight little outfit he has on. OK, daddy. Uh, I'm here for it. He is chasing him around in his little tight black jeans and leather, tight leather shirt, chases him through the stairwell. They get to, they kind of get a nice little scene where they hide behind a desk. Yeah. Okay. And this is when Carmen is like, the killer is Greg. You know that, don't you? She, now, now she's trying to convince Sarah that the killer is Greg. It's like, what? what? Well, Mike definitely planted that seed. And now Carmen, here's the thing about Carmen that pisses me off is like Carmen very much tries to play with Sarah. Like, Oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry for everything I did wrong to you. Like she, cause she eventually here, she confesses um, to Sarah about having had an affair with Gregor. And she's like, Oh, but I, I didn't want to. I'm sorry. Forgive me. <laughs> Bitch. Not 20 minutes ago at the bottom of a pool were you trying to jack this guy off, trying to... And he's the one that declined. He well, said not no only you. did she... They have sex. They had sex at, on her on Sarah's birthday, at her birthday party. And Sarah... I'm sorry. Sarah's Sarah, a, Sarah should respond with more anger than she does. Oh, she... Oh, and then oh, what happens the at the end? the fuck out of I'm here. I'm like, Sarah, I hope you... Jojo wrote a song about this. It's called Leave, Get Out, Right Now. She's going to end up with 12 kids and no husband of cheating on her every fucking night. Absolutely. We'll get to it. Oh, how we'll get to it. Uh, Okay, so now we get back to... I don't... Okay, so please help me explain. So after this, we go back to Gregor shows up at the vent and there's like blood coming out of the vent. Like blood's apparently pooling out of all these vents. But now Raphael and Chris are there. Okay, first of all, Raphael is not a character. Well, I have Raphael. Okay, okay, what's it's, it's Diego. It's Die- go Diego, go Diego. Okay, sorry, people. Die- I got his name. It's Raphael. It is Raphael. You're right. I don't know why. No, it's Diego. God damn it! It's Diego. Okay, here goes all of our one stars on iTunes because I can't get this fucking guy's name. Our, our next review is going to be like, very loose on facts. This review, this review does not do a good job of naming characters. I don't know why I wrote down Raphael, but I did. I swear to God. It's D- you were right. It is Diego. I looked on IMDb. It's Diego. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I know my shit. Sorry. I know the pool. Sorry. I went to school. For the pool. It's Diego. Diego punches Chris for some reason. And then Gregor shows up and he's like, I got to go through this vent to try to find everybody. I'm like, do you really, though? Aren't there like hallways and doors that you can go through? Because you don't know that they're still in the vent. All you have to do is like call through the vent and be like, hey, Sarah, are you still in there? But he wants to get in that vent and he gets in that vent and goes. Meanwhile... What the fuck happens to Diego and Chris? This is the last time we see them. I think that we honestly um, 
may have a situation here of uh, maybe a cut scene or um, something omitted from like the, the final. Because cut of the I'm, I'm because not you wrong. don't even see. We no, don't. You're see, not wrong. We don't see either of them get killed. Yeah, I, because there's no body reveal, and they're there's they're no, not they they're not at the end of the movie. No, they're not. So what the fuck so happened th- to them? I, that's what I'm saying is I I wonder I'm curious if there was did maybe they something did they just crawl in the removed. vent and stay there? They they let <laughs> they stayed there and let Gregor go ahead. They had an axe, did they not? No, he took the axe. They are living in the vent to this day. I bet. Listen, and let me just say that that vent. I'm claustrophobic. This is it. I don't like water. I don't like tight spaces. This is why I hate submarines. But I would have not been comfortable climbing in that vent. I would have just been like, just let him take me. Um, because there's no way my fat ass is going to be getting in that vent for anything. Just like Sarah won't be getting that pool. No. And I would have, yeah, I wouldn't have gotten the vent. Uh, you're a sitting duck in the vent. Wait, yeah. Come on. So Sarah and Carmen are in this room upstairs. And somehow, apparently, Gregor comes out of the vent into this room where they're at and he's trying and Sarah sees him and she's like, get away from me, get away from now. All of a sudden she's buying into the fact that he's a killer, even though this whole fucking movie, all she's done is defend him and tell him how much she loves him. And, and is like slap people for saying anything bad about him. But now all of a sudden she sees him and she's like, you get away from me. And he's like, I'm just trying to help your, you. And and she's like, you sliced and diced all your friends. I'm like, bitch, you have nothing to go off of for this. One second, you're loving this guy and you're defending him like to know, get out. Even in the fact where your friend's telling you she slept with him and you're like, oh, I still love him. You see him now and you're like, get away from me. You're a mass murderer. Yeah. Sarah is very easily influenced. She is, again, not a strong final girl. She doesn't make her own. She doesn't call the shot. She doesn't make her own decisions. This whole sequence of what happens here uh, very is very carmen driven for a moment because basically what happens is he's trying to convince sarah that he's not the killer and carmen comes up behind him and knocks him out with like a with like a like a metal vase or something i don't know she knocks him the fuck out like a lamp she takes his axe and she like locks him in the room which smart call carmen okay and then she's like let's get the fuck out of here and she's like uh, the, the sneaking sarah through the building trying to find a way to escape. So they obviously still suspect there could still be a killer, but because they're kind of creeping, you know? It does not make any no. sense. Because then what happens is a cop, the cop shows up. This cop, this random cop that's been in the movie, two other 30-second scenes, shows up to the pool. Because we forgot to mention, somehow a, a couple scenes ago, he shows up at what I'm assuming was like Gregor's house or a big frat house and talks to some guy and says, Hey, where's this party at? Finds out supposedly it could be at this brand new pool facility. So he shows up at this pool. There's no, <laughs> again, there's no buildup. There's no suspense. He literally walks to the door and is stabbed right away. I do like, though, before he's stabbed, he sees, like... The reflection. Blood. He tries to well, get... He, yeah. No, he sees blood, like, on the door, and he's like, I fucking hate my life. Yeah. Like, this guy, he's weathered. He is worn. He does not like his job. He does not like kids. Uh, and But he is killed right away. And so all of that, what could be, like, potential, like, I don't know, development for who the killer really is and why he does what he does, it was, yeah, it was a waste. Um, but so... Um, 
thus the killer is clearly not Gregor. Exactly. And Sarah and Carmen see this. So now Sarah is trying to convince Carmen, basically tells Carmen that she has to swim through this pipe. That she can hold her breath. And Carmen's like, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. So Carmen... Gets in the pipe. Gets into this. Mm-hmm. What is it? It's like a. It's like the. Well, it's like a filtration uh, pipe. Like the water. It like brings the water into the filtration system. And Sarah's like kind of giving the speech to Carmen to like motivate her. She, but and then she's like, "I can't go with you because you know me in water." And it's like, "Bitch, you've come up with a lot of really lame excuses to get out of shit through the course of this movie. And this whole like problem with water. What do you have more of a problem with water?" Or a man wielding a machete. Like, I would try something. Get the fuck out. She doesn't want to. So she's in the tunnel. Carmen jumps in the tunnel and starts swimming. She gets stuck on this metal fencing. And like, oh, it's gross. It like slices the shit oh, out yeah. of her arm. It's, yeah. Ugh. And I do want to say before Carmen takes off, she gives a final like apology to Sarah. And I do not believe it one fucking bit. Carmen... Go fuck yourself. You don't care. But she's like, I'm so sorry, Sarah. I never meant to hurt you. And then she takes off and yeah, she gets sliced up in that. Like, it's like a metal, like folding kind of piece of um, gate or grate. Yeah, it says she's going to slip through and and it does. It like slices her all up. It is pretty gnarly. But she like pulls herself through it and you see the water's all bloody. It's it's pretty rough. But she does get out. But then the second she gets to crawl out of the vent system out she's outside the building the fucking killer shows up and stabs her in the stomach and what's even worse is as she's getting out she sees the only purpose for having frumpy cop uh in the movie she sees him laying there dead with his gun Mm -hmm. and she's like going to reach for it and then of course yes the killer pops up stabs her and she falls back in the filtration water and sinks apparently sinks to the bottom we don't know because it's open-ended, of course. <laughs> but um, Well, maybe. Because now the next scene, is we're back in the pool. And it's pretty quick. Uh, he This killer moves fast, right? Oh, he does. It's because he's in such uh, fitted, like, uh, athletic wear. I mean, he can move quick. He was literally just outside, but now he's back inside. Yes. How's he getting in and out is what I want. He has the keys, I guess. Because well, the, yes. they do say the keys are missing. But yes. he... He's back inside, and it's a pretty, I have to say, mm. it's a pretty lackluster reveal. Oh, my God. I, it's, if anything I have an issue with in this movie, man, <laughs> it is, the killer is revealed to be Frank. Yeah. In a cast of, like, a bunch of men that you already dislike, Frank is one of, like, the least memorable. Yep. But if you, like, go back and recall, there were, like, a few moments of him, like, flirting with some of the girls and it was really like not acknowledged as being like anything other than kind of just like a side moment um so when he's revealed to be the killer his his motivation is because of like the fact that none of the women responded to his advances Mm -hmm. and i'm sorry but it is in the history of slashers i have to say this is one of the lamest and most chauvinistic motivations I've ever heard a killer have. It's so entitled. It doesn't, if this is the same guy that we're talking about earlier who was schizophrenic, fuck that nonsense. That's some bullshit. You better toss that out the window and this better be something completely different, not at all affiliated, because 
this guy's reasoning for being the killer is just selfish and stupid and is does not strike me as stemming from mental illness or anything other than just him being an entitled prick. And um, it is such a letdown. I was really wanting something with more heft to it. It's very misogynistic. And there is no reveal. Like we don't get like we don't get an unmasking. We don't get any of that. Like if you think about some of the great like slasher killer reveals in, in slasher films that are trying to be whodunits. You know, you generally get this really awesome reveal of who the killer is. That doesn't happen here. It basically after he stabs uh, Carmen, you cut back to Sarah and she sees Frank basically in his tight. He, we have to say he looks good in those tight pants, but he walks in in his tight pants. The mask is off. There's no unmasking. He already has the mask off. He's silhouetted at first. He's like he's in the shadows and you hear her talking to him so you don't see him in the same outfit, but he's talking in a way that's so obvious. Like his tone is really well, she even like, says, suspicious. She says Frank. She's like, Frank, is yeah. that you? And he's like, Yeah. And yeah, there's no reveal at all. And yeah, his 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 motive is women are cruel and they, they treat him like shit. So he's gonna kill everybody. He puts the mask back on and we get Greg who's locked up in this room, like sees, sees what's happening and he's trying to bust the window out. And at for like 10 minutes, he is so determined to bust through this window, this whole length of this speech, you just hear him in the background banging on this glass with like a metal, with like, um, like an extinguisher. And it's just like over and over and over. And <laughs> Frank even turns to him and he's like, Good luck, Gregor. It's like impenetrable glass. <laughs> but he keeps doing it. Finally, finally, he busts through after like literally. Like- finally, it does break, but it does give he, it does distract uh, Frank enough for Sarah to kick him in the mm-hmm. balls and then get a get a kind of a running start away from him. And then there is this cool scene right as Greg busts through the glass. Uh, Frank's trying to get to Sarah and she is just like frantically throwing all of these booze bottles mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. him just one after another. And he's covered in booze and he's trying to stab her through the bar bar mm-hmm. top the, and the machetes like coming through the bar top, almost stabbing her. And she's, she's hurling these booze yeah. bottles at her. And it's pretty, it is pretty yeah. cool. And at the same time, Greg like jumps through the window into the pool and Sarah Gotta say, it was smart. She knew what she was doing with the booze, covering him with booze. She lights him on, she lights Frank on fire. And he basically, smart on one hand, done on the other, because why are you lighting someone on fire right next to a pool when you know they're just going to jump in? And he does. He jumps in the pool. There's this struggle between him and, and Greg in the water. And you can see him, he gets a few good slices at Greg. And... Of course, Sarah, who has been a whiny bitch about water this whole time, musters up the courage because her <laughs> the, the love of her life, Gregor, who has treated her like nothing but shit, is getting, you know, his ass beat. She jumps into the pool with a broken beer bottle and what has to be the most laughable, like slow motion jump I've ever seen in my life. Like they do it in, they do her jump in slow motion, but it's like the most awkward. She like splashes into the water. Yeah, it's it's not even cool looking. She like belly flops into the water. Uh, she 
actually she swims out there and she starts stabbing the shit out of uh, Frank in the neck yeah. with this broken beer bottle. Yeah, when when she's running up the steps, he does manage to stab her in the leg and she's like dragging herself. She's injured. So by the time he gets to her at the top of the, like the, in the bar area before she sets him on fire, um he's like really coming at her and she's crawling through g- glass. It's pretty hard to watch actually just because she's like running barefoot through all of this broken glass and you're hearing it and it is pretty like, ugh, it makes your skin kind of crawl. So when she grabs the bottle and jumps in, there is kind of a moment where you're like, okay, girl, thank you for finally like stepping up to the plate. Because her last few minutes as a final girl, she does kick it up a notch. You know, like you're, I mean, like, no, she's definitely not, She she's not, it's not like we're watching you're next and getting an, like an amazing <laughs> badass broad who's just here to like kick ass and take names but for being a fragile character because she's been pretty like blase at least at the end of it she like you know she kind of does whatever she's fucking got to do to survive and when she jumps in the water and she grabs up that, that that like bottle and she starts stabbing him and she's kind of just like she's just stabbing him wildly you know and and she does manage to like get him off of Gregor and um, he's immobilized for a minute. Yeah, so she gets able to. Well, and it just sucks that it's that she's doing it because of Gregor, who is an asshole. But she does get Gregor away from. You know, she does get him away. And right as she's like pulling Gregor to safety out of the water, Frank pops back up. Of course, of course, comes back out of the water, but is immediately shot by. Carmen. Carmen, she's not dead after all. Yay! Because of course not. Because there's no way they're going to waste that moment where she finds that gun and not put it to use. You know, I knew it was coming. Like it was only a matter of time. You didn't see her die. Die. You know. Carmen saves the day. Yeah. Although she's really badly injured. Obviously, she's been stabbed with the machete in the stomach. But she does save the day. And the film basically ends with Carmen being wheeled out and. Sarah telling Gregor for the 20th time in the film that she loves him. I love you, but if you ever cheat on me again, I'm going to kill you. And then the 90s, late 90s boy band music (laughs) starts to play and the film ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, this whole final moment between her and Gregor where she basically like forgives him. He's like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, I know. Like, I'd be like, listen, fucker, did you help save my life today? Yes. Um, but did that also play into the fact that you were trying to survive yourself? I'm sure. Well, because many- you're a selfish piece of shit. Exactly. How many times did he leave her in this film? Like, like we talked about, he disappears through huge chunks of this film. He just leaves her. He's like, oh, I'll, you stay here. I'll be back. Knowing that damn well there's a killer killing all your friends and you're just going to leave your girlfriend. And again, not once does he say, I love you back to her. She says it like, 20 times in this film and he never once says I love you back but whatever the film ends and it's entertaining as fuck yeah is it pro- yeah. does it have problems yes does it does it maybe sound like I disliked it more than what I did yeah I enjoy this film I really do it's a lot of fun but again if you if you can't look at you know some of the flaws of a film as fun as it is you know I mean 
If this is a middle-of-the-road standard slasher fodder, are there better? Yes. Are there worse? Yes. Um, it's not It's not groundbreaking. Like we said in the, the beginning of this, it's not anything groundbreaking. It didn't reinvent the wheel, but it, it what it did, it did well in the sense of entertainment value, and there are some really fun kills in it. There are some fun characters in it that I like to hate. I feel like... It is one of the probably in all the post scream slashers, especially like the early two thousand slashers. This probably is one of the standouts, just because a the location and the death scenes. Uh, yeah. There are better, you know, there are ones that have better characters, maybe better plot development, but this one is so much fun. I will mm-hmm. say what I do really like about this film um, is that a lot of these post scream slasher films tried to copy the like self referential tone of Scream. Uh, where they're like, oh, wink, wink, we're a slasher movie. Wink, wink, we don't want to take ourselves too seriously. Wink, wink, we know what we are. Where this film did not go that route. This film is pretty much a straight up slasher flick. There are no self-referential tone. There's not a self-referential tone to it. There's no like underlying comedic elements. It's it's a slasher film. It's a group of kids being picked off by a, a killer. There's, there's, it's, it's, Straight up slasher film, and I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm really happy I watched it. Um, I found it very entertaining. Um, it's not something that I'd be putting down in the record books as one of my favorite films of all time, but can I see myself busting this out for a group of friends who like the genre and, uh, you know, try and introduce people to something new? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really fun movie. Um, I definitely think there's probably a lot of people who love this movie, but I also think there's fans of the genre who probably have no idea about this movie. And I think that, um, especially like we said at the beginning, having some of these more like well-known actors affiliated with it, um, appearing in this movie at the beginning of their careers, that's really cool to see. Um, so there's, there's several reasons to visit or revisit this movie. Um, and, and it doesn't skimp on the entertainment value. While it may be nonsensical at times and it may not have the strongest script it makes up for it with yeah location and overall execution of its kills and just sheer fun factor it's a fun movie to watch i never got bored it's it's a fun popcorn flick just sit back pop your pop your jiffy pop and just have fun it's it's brainless fun it's not like we said it's not reinventing any wheel it's not reinventing the slasher genre but what it's doing is it's doing very well minus the few flaws that we pointed out it's still a film that i would would i will definitely revisit it i i like to watch this film you know every every once in a while uh to fulfill my kind of slasher you know lust uh this is a good one um and it needs a Blu-ray. Where's the Blu-ray, people? Yeah. And give me some extended scenes so we know what the fuck happened to Chris and Diego. Because I'm sorry, as we need to acknowledge one more time, after you see them left in that room, when Gregor goes up through the vent, you never see them again. And I need an explanation. I need to know why. Yeah, I wonder Yeah, I wonder if it was a cut scene or what. Yeah, because if that I, is a cut I, I scene, that would really add to the... I think the pacing issues of the end. Because of the as it is, it just seems like it was lazy. Yeah, it seems very lazy. Like, oh shit, we have these two characters we don't know what to do with, and we don't have the budget to kill them off. Let's just forget they were ever in the Yeah, film. because that means technically five people survive. And as we talked about in a cast 
um, a very like high volume cast, a lot of heads to count. Uh, that head count could either have been a lot higher, or you could have skimmed a few of these people out, and we wouldn't have even felt it. Well, I feel like maybe the filmmakers thought that because there were so many characters that we wouldn't really notice that uh, Diego and Chris just oh well we noticed because we loved those characters. <laughs> yeah, even though they had very little to do, I'll never even forget Diego. Kept, and even though I kept, even though I kept calling one Raphael, I was gonna say, I, I where's him. Raphael in all of this? Did he make it? I need to know. Um, but yeah, no, good call, good call. And I gotta say, Troy, that was the pool. So Roger, you have our next pick, right? I I know there's one thing you like as a teacher and a librarian, and it's themes. We've talked about this. Um, it tickles your pickle. So I decided that I was going to stick with a real specific theme, which is early two thousands. international slashers with heavy water themes that feature casts with heavy accents. (laughs) And this movie is a little-known supernatural slasher from 2005 called The Nun. Or, if we are talking in Spanish, because it is a Spanish film, though it's English language, it is a Spanish-directed film, uh, La Monja, which was directed by Luis de la Madrid, and it is weird, a weird movie. <laughs> it is very strange, but uh, I don't think a lot of people will have seen this movie. And again, is it one of the best movies ever made? No. Is it very entertaining? I think so. Um, and there's a lot of similarities. I, I feel like I've seen this, but it's been forever. I probably saw it when it came out and never saw it again because uh, it sounds familiar. So folks, let's clarify. This is not the nun that just came out with. God no, Tasa Vera Famiga. Uh, this is a two thousand what five? Two thousand five slasher. Two thousand five slasher. Well, supernatural slasher. Yeah. So if you're if you want to check it out, because it's yeah, it's one that I'm assuming a lot of people haven't heard of or haven't seen. Check yeah. it out because it is available on Amazon to, mm-hmm. to to rent to to watch and give it a watch before next week because you we don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it. No, Troy. I think you and I are gonna have. I mean, we always have fun talking about these, but this movie's got a few things about it that I think you, you and I are just going to lovingly destroy, um, but with a smile on both of our faces. So it's going to be a good time. And listeners, I think it's going to be a good time for you too. So watch The Nun. Uh, it's actually one of the earlier films I remember watching um, that really got me into wanting to make film, make cinema. Uh, as a filmmaker, this movie was really strangely influential for me. When it came out, I bought it on DVD around the time it was released, and I still have that DVD to this day. And I don't know, there's something about this movie that just creeps the shit out of me, even though it is kind of absurd. Uh, let's see if it holds up, though, because who knows? Maybe I'll come back and revisit it and have completely different feelings on the matter. Time will only tell. Um, but yeah, until that next review, Troy... Um, I, I think there's one other thing that we should really touch on for our listeners before we bid them adieu, and it's kind of an exciting new chapter for you and I and Dark Knight of the Podcast. It is, and and we basically, let's just put it out there, it, it's it's a podcast, and, and basically a, a lot of podcasts are doing this, so we are kind of jumping on board and, and, and doing it just to see... W- w- you know, how much support we can get and, and what 
you know, other content we can offer uh, our listeners if if they want it. You know, we will always do a, a weekly episode. We always do that. We, we try to put them out on a consistent basis. It's been a little, you know, rocky these last couple of weeks because of me moving cross country. But now I'm, I'm back. I'm settled. So we're going to get back into our weekly routine. But we have decided, like many other uh, podcasts, to launch a Patreon page which will be coming in a couple of weeks. Uh, and we did it for a couple reasons. We're doing it for a couple reasons. A, we feel like it's going to hold us accountable to, to keep giving, to keep putting content out. We, we love doing this. So we want to kind of hold ourselves accountable for, for getting content out. B, we want to put extra content out. We we really do. We we have great ideas for uh, like bonus episodes for our patrons that subscribe that go beyond just like picking one film and talking about it. We have lots of different ideas for extra bonus content that go beyond just focusing on one horror movie. Uh, we'll we'll kind of touch base on, on what some of those ideas are, but. I think you'll really enjoy the the extra bonus content we we kind of talked about doing, and B and, and C. You know, it's 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 going to be something that's very minimal in terms of you know the the um, the cost the our, our patron levels. You know, doing this takes time. You know, it, it does take you know some some finances. Nothing major, but. We are we 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 want to keep doing it. We want to keep doing it. So we figure this is a really good way to kind of allow us to keep doing it, and again hold us accountable for putting content out and interacting with the with our fans that really enjoy what we're doing. Yeah, and I think aside from wanting to keep doing it, I think we also want to keep improving upon our craft and like what we're doing. I mean, there's plenty of people out there with podcasts in general, not just being the another gay duo tackling the horror genre because there's plenty of really hilarious or entertaining queers who are doing similar to what we're doing. But I I know that you feel the same way as me on this. I I want to keep creating content that is entertaining uh because of how we do it and why we do it and our approach to it is different and the reasons it's different. And um, I, I do think that this challenges us to also keep looking for new, new and exciting ways to expand upon what it is that we're doing. Um, because as you mentioned, you know, we have more and more people listening to it as we've had more guests and more um, reasons to promote uh, our numbers have increased and we're super thankful for t- to all of you who are listening. And so um, we just want to be able to bring you more and ensure that you guys are um, sufficiently entertained. Um, and in turn, you know, make sure that we have the best equipment to provide that and make sure that we have the means to expand upon that and eventually make sure that we can appear at the conventions and show up and be there with you guys and celebrate with you our favorite genre because we know that you guys feel the same way we do about the horror genre and we really are diehards about the horror genre and this is fun because we're talking about films that we really feel strongly about whether we destroy them or we raise them up lovingly you know these films were passionate about the genre and we know all of our listeners are the same way or else they wouldn't be listening to begin with so um so yeah i'm super excited excited to launch that i think it's going to be a really fun new chapter for us and there's a lot of really cool things that troy and i have in the works that like when we get a little bit closer we'll definitely be announcing it and i think 
that it will give people good reason to want to support us because it will be a lot of fresh new material and, and different from what it is we're already giving you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So just keep your ears peeled uh, in the next couple of weeks for, for that and the launch date and all that stuff. And we hope that you will consider uh, supporting it. Uh, but like I said, we're always going to put out a weekly episode, so you don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. And that'll always be out. So, but this is just something a little bit extra for the people who who kind of want to hear us talk more than four times a month about film or about anything that we decide to talk about. It'll always be horror related. Uh, we're not going to like all of a sudden switch it up, and and <laughs> I think that that would be a little uh, yeah. We, we I don't to, care about other genres. I really don't either. That honestly. much about it. But not, not, enough, not enough to devote an <laughs> episode about. I mean, I'm trying to think of a, of a movie that I would want to talk about. For right, a- right. And I, I will say that if, if we didn't set a time limit for these, I could talk about these movies probably an extra two hours really getting in deep. So sometimes we have to fast forward ourselves through it because um, Troy and I really do care a lot about these films. So um, we appreciate you guys for – supporting us this far it's only going to get better 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 and more exciting and more to come uh the next of which being the nun 2005 2005, the nun (laughs) so please make sure you're watching the right one please don't tune in thinking you're no if you show up here with fucking vera formiga's movie or no it's tiesa formiga's movie uh they're they're the one in the same in my mind i'm sorry if you show up here with that bullshit get out you're not welcome to the party no. So yeah. So yeah, that's, that's it. We've talked two hours about the pool. So we are going to, thought. you know what, go <laughs> guys to, to kind of cleanse your palates from us. Go jump in a damn pool, go down a water slide uh, while you still can, while the weather's still accommodating. Yep. But thank you guys as always for, tu- for tuning in. And we really appreciate it. Remember Apple, go give us a rating. Show us some love. And until next week with La Manja, the nun, Goodbye.